Welcome to Hami Media Group, or as the cool kids say, HMG. We're here to provide you with the very best entertainment alternative media has to offer. Thank you to all our supporters who have made us what we are today. Follow us on social media, video, and podcast platforms at Hami Media Group. Become a subscriber to Hami Media Group at Patreon.com for great free daily content as well as off-the-top-rope extras. Subscribe to our affiliate Patreon channels with a plethora of fun content on various tiers that will bring tears of joy to your eyes. Vince Russo's The Brand, The Rip Rogers FR Podcast, Stevie Ray TV, Goldilocks, The A-Show with Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, Velvet Sky and Angelina Love, The Beautiful People, and now... The Larry Hankin Stories. Support your favorite HMG and independent pro wrestling talent at ProWrestlingTees.com. Enjoy the ultimate meal with Zordo's Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Head over to ZordosOliveOil.com. Start your day with the best cup of joe, bro. Try a fantastic selection of flavorful coffee blends at TheBrosters.com. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Get off that couch and make a healthy change without leaving your home. Amazing resistance band and yoga workout programs at an affordable price that will help you become a band new you. Hear from the pros who live the biz, bro, with talent that have worked for every major organization led by the man who put the attitude back in pro wrestling and in your ear holes. It's got to be russosbrand.com bro again we'd like to thank you for joining us here at hmg and now it's time to be entertained the following program is presented by the htm podcast network this is your united states of america This is Hitting the Marks, a podcast that's got topics for days, and it'll leave you in a haze. Hosted by two mother that like to talk about everything. News, sports, politics, pro wrestling, people jumping off buildings, taco shops, top ten lists, and more. It's got one guy who likes to get high on a lot of grass, and the other guy who got shot in the ass. And now, here's your host of the Hitting the Marks podcast, Jargo and R. Thanks, MSG. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks podcast with Jargo and RBV, recorded Wednesday, July 28th, 2021, in a very, very hot, almost live 203 studios. I will be your host for the day. My name is Dr. Jargo. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. Jargo, great to be back again. Uh, a little bit of pause. I think we're about 10 days out since we've been able to sit down. We've just, uh, hell, we've both been so busy. Hey, it's been a, a red-hot July, not just weather-wise, but just going on in our lives. Uh, but no place I'd rather be 
Yes, it's me. It's me. That art of the beat of the V. Richard Brotson Victory right here. Jargo hitting the March podcast. Man, I, I know. Uh, I guess that's the theme. We're bringing the heat. It's hot outside. It's hot inside. It's hot everywhere. We're hot. I know we got some uh, a handful of topics that we're going to run down here. Yeah, it, it's been kind of a couple of crazy weeks, man. Um, I mean, just life kind of gets in the way at this point, and I, I, I'm gonna guess I'm gonna say this in a public forum, just just so people don't get offended when this starts happening. I gotta stop start turning down some of these podcast appearances, bro. Like, I think since the last time we did a podcast together, I've done like 15 podcasts. It's insane how many podcasts I'm doing because people ask me to do it, and I'm just like, yep, absolutely, I will do that. Like, hell, I'm cutting a podcast at 11 p.m. on Friday night to preview the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix because you know that's when they're gonna actually record the show. So I was like, yep, yeah, sure, yep, yep, I'll do it. And then I'm thinking to myself, dude, you are normally in bed by like eight o'clock on Friday night because I flip my schedule all around to be a normal human being for a couple of days. I'm going to be a freaking walking zombie. I got to quit agreeing to do all these shows. Hey, and now you're, you're uh, I want to say like Mr. Mom, but hell, I mean, now you're, you're lands, your groundskeeper Jargo. <laughs> landscaper extraordinaire you got all these extra responsibilities now that you're at the house man yeah but on a positive note it's 110 degrees in iowa right now so uh guess what you don't got to worry about doing when it's 110 degrees outside anything you don't do nothing you stay your ass inside you record some podcasts because you know all the grass is dead all the plants are turning brown it's just it, it things have been crazy we're supposed to get some relief this weekend and god i hope so because huckleberry i bought a fire pit i never knew how much i would enjoy having a fire pit but boy do i love starting shit on fire like I, I, it's just is, is that just a guy thing that we just enjoy setting shit on fire I think we all have that phase there. And now that you you have your your own area for that, but I got to tell you, man, I'm not a sit around the fire pit, around the bonfire kind of guy. It, it drives me absolutely crazy. You know, going back, I, I worked for a park district here in Southern Ohio. Heck, I was there from, it was my very first job. I was 16 years old. I started very entry-level position. Uh, went into college, moved into management there, uh, moved around a couple spots. So I, I moved right up the chain there. And at one point I was running a campground and they would come into the shop, you know, Saturday, Sunday morning. And we also had other rental things, boats, spikes, things like that. I would, I would have to follow them around with Lysol and I had air fresheners everywhere because of that smell that just attaches itself to one's being that campfire smell it is so nauseating to me. Uh, I absolutely cannot stand it, especially when I have it on myself. Shout out to Matt Riddle, the dirtiest hippie of all the dirty hippies. Um, you, you know, it's weird because I am not one of these people that is like a, a super go green. I got to reduce my carbon footprint kind of person. But you know, we burn environmentally safe logs that don't give off, you know, that campfire smoke, which is very, very nice. All of my like outside tools are all, you know electric powered cordless runs off batteries and shit. I mean, even my lawnmower is battery operated, you know, I don't I feel like it saves me more money because I ain't got to worry about getting gas. I ain't got to worry about oil. I ain't got to worry about none of that stuff. I just plug in the batteries. Uh, absolutely. Everything's moving in that direction. I saw, I saw they're coming up with battery planes. They like, they've got drunk, like 
battery operated cargo planes at this point that are autonomous flying vehicles. So, I mean, they can carry like, you know, a hundred tons worth of cargo for like, you know, your Amazon shopping and whatnot. It's only a matter of time until we have, you know, very much like we've got the Teslas and the electric cars. They're already working on electric planes. That sounds terrifying to me. Uh, speaking of electric, I, I'm just going to say, you know, it's one of those things. I don't know if I absolutely trust it. Are we that far along in our technology? To I don't to trust play? the gas-powered ones, let alone the ones that run on batteries. I was going to say, but at least they have a little more uh, a proven background or a proven commodity, a, a bit more that, that we can uh, that we can trust in those, I guess. But to, speaking of though, advancements here. Did you see this robot? Ben had turned me on to this thing in the Monday locker room. I guess they showed this thing off over at the Olympics there. Uh, it is a robot built, you know, animatronic, built like a human where it comes down just through the whole motion. It has the arm extended, and it hits the perfect free. It hits the perfect shot on a basketball floor. I saw they that had, shooting half-court jumpers. Yeah, they have it started. They started it at the <laughs> free throw line, and it's just sinking, and it's gradually moving back, and it gets back to the half-court line, and it is just boom, 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 baby. Let me ask you this, though, because th this is my fear about the electric robots that can shoot hoops, right? Uh, did you see how long it took it to calculate the distance and everything for that half-court shot? Which takes longer, the robot shooting half-court shots or Giannis at the free-throw line? Ooh, that, hey, we got, we got a challenge now. See, that was ridiculous. He was taking like 15 seconds at the free-throw line. I guess, you know, it is something as simple as sports. It's it's just basketball. And I, I guess, you know, a lot of people, you say like, man, that just looks, un it, well, obviously it's unnatural, but it just looks creep beyond creepy. Uh, and people think, oh, you know, what could this mean for sports? What where could, what else could they use this for as we see this continued manipulation and control in our society by our, our government overlords? Well, everything, right? I mean, like that that that's kind of the premise of universal basic income, right? I mean, as, as we're advancing in technology, there's not going to be as many jobs available. The robots are going to be doing everything, which means that you're sitting on your ass at home, which is great on the surface, but you're not making any money. Enter somebody like a Andrew Yang, who is like, you know, you know, Universal basic income. That's that's the answer to things. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm glad that my retirement plan uh, is get out by the time I'm 50. All I, do, I remember when I was a kid, right? I remember, oh, that, and that means not out of work. That means out of life. <laughs> I remember going to Blockbuster, and you could rent like you know Nintendo games and stuff for the weekend at Blockbuster. Oh, hell yeah, man! Right? You, you go get the hot game. Uh, you get that on Friday night. You got it through the weekend. But inevitably, I would always find myself renting like the, you know, the same half a dozen games, right? And it was mostly because I'm in Iowa and finding the new trendy hot games was not a thing that was happening in Iowa at that time. We didn't have, you know, the mass conglomerate Walmarts that we have now. We, we, we had like a Target, but they'd get in like three freaking copies because, you know, it's small town Iowa. So you'd be waiting forever. There was this basketball game that was like fucking robots. That would like Which run around the, they would run around, but it, but like you would, the robots would like fight and stuff. It was like, you know, watching, you know, the, the night Super Nintendo. I don't remember if it was Nintendo or Super Nintendo. I think Nintendo. it was Super Nintendo. Are you thinking of Bill Lambeer basketball? No, 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 no. Because it, they, they were actual robots that would fight like yeah, on the was, court. That was, that was the whole premise of Bill Lambeer basketball was that it was some futuristic version built, you know, and Bill Lambeer. Of, of the 89 his, Pistons. 
Yeah, was built like he was built into this robot mindset. And it was you had different bots you could buy and build and buy upgrade. and build all them and upgrade them. Yeah. yeah. And then they would actually they had cannons they could shoot at each other. You had like demolition derby style. You had fist fighting style. And it whole had this basketball premise built around it. it has like a it had an above view player. It was like uh, it was battle like bot basketball. Oh, yeah, that was Bill Lambeer. That was Super Nintendo. Dude, that that game was amazing, and I just I remember playing the hell out of that because it was so much fun. Is that where we're going? Because I mean, at this point, like nobody is watching the Olympics. Olympic ratings are in the freaking toilet. They are so bad. Toyota even pulled all the way out of it. Uh, this Olympics is a freaking mess, dude. I, how much of this have you been watching? I, I, I've actually been watching a fair bit of it, but it, it's just, it's awful. Uh, you, you know, I am probably watching more than the, the average viewer. Uh, simply it is becoming a lot of, if you're watching of, it all, you're watching more than the average viewer. Well, but I, you know, in my own comparison, you, you got to think though. I used to I used to look forward to it. Winter and summer games, absolutely love them. Get super excited. A, a number of the events, and you know it was kind of funny. I was just watching Next Level, Nahami Media Group with Big Ray and the Vet this morning, and and they were talking about that. And, and the Vet had it. You know, I guess maybe he's never been a big fan of the Olympics because he said he just doesn't like amateur sports, and he doesn't really he can't get into these crazy nonsense games that that you know that. You never hear about anything till about, you know, every four years when there's an Olympic Games coming around. Uh, but to me, on the other hand, I, I usually embrace those. You know, I thought it was something very different out there. It gives you a, a, a different perspective. You get to still see competition. People who are really committed and, have you know, dedicated, devoted their lives, their careers, their time, their passions to these sports that, that aren't necessarily pushed into the limelight. You know, it's, it's so often as, you know, People are, I don't want to say envious, but you see the attacks against like the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, because because of these inflated and insane payrolls. Well, some of these other sports, you know, these people are just as passionate and it's such a craft and they're gifted in those areas, but they don't have that spotlight. They don't receive, you know, all the accolades that they will. From so I enjoy those things. It was uh, Saturday when I was out and about it. Somehow I ended up watching three hours of badminton and handball. Now, handball, I mainly was watching just trying to figure out the appeal of this thing. Essentially, it's not the old game that you would play, uh, you know, on the street, you know, back in the alley, gym class, whatever it might be, where, you're, you know, you got two people, four people, and you're using your hand to play a ball off the wall, kind of like racquetball. Essentially, handball is land polo essentially it's indoor soccer with your hands which is this is completely ridiculous to see these grown adults running around uh playing this thing but but for any hey, other i you know the last time the olympics were around i filled my dvr with gymnastics right like i i studied it so much i had all the scoring down i knew what was going to happen you know on each of them before you know the judges revealed anything but yeah, you know, it's just not there anymore. And I really can't pinpoint it, but it's really, I guess it shouldn't have been surprising because I, I really feel that way about all sports at this point. Well, be, before we talk too much about the Olympics, I want to talk about the Olympics. Um, and, and I mean, <laughs> I mean that in the presentation aspect of this thing, because Rick, this is really, really kind of creepy to watch. I mean, the, the way that they have everything is empty. There's no fans whatsoever. There's no kind of noise. 
Um, even I, this kind of, did you watch the new Japan show from the Tokyo dome this weekend? I did not. It was so weird. I mean, number one, they only had like 6,500 fans inside of the Tokyo dome, which will hold like, you know, 70, 80,000 people. Um, but they weren't allowed to make any kind of noise whatsoever. Of course, they're all sitting like on the field, so they can't even really stomp their feet and make any noise that way. Um, and they left all the lights on, like through that the entire event. And it was just weird, and it was awkward. And at least the performances were were good enough that at a certain point you kind of got used to it. But in these Olympics watching this thing i mean it's like you're watching the olympics in a ghost town it, there's there's no kind of emotion there's not those those human interest piece where there's like you know the families are there crying and so happy for the athletes and what like none of that's well uh, then, oh i see and then i've i put that on you know the the producers who's carrying these through these different countries here for us obviously that would be nbc is we're getting you know their presentation of it here. Uh, doesn't it fall on them? Did you you have to uh, pivot and adjust your strategies that you can still employ those strategies to invoke that emotion without that live audience? I mean, why aren't we using all the technologies that we have? I mean, you're talking about yes, it's it's great to see a family because you know when you make that commitment, you know it's just not that athlete there. It is an entire family backing them up, and as I've mentioned before. You don't have all the accolades of these major premier sports. These are never heard of, but this is still a tremendous dream of theirs. Right, an opportunity but- of a lifetime to achieve something great. So the whole family commits to that. Why aren't we using technology to, to bring that family emotion to the television production to tie in these stories but we're talking about two different things you're talking about as a viewer watching this thing i'm talking about for the athletes that are performing like it it feels so soulless like there's just no energy at all okay okay and i I don't want to give too much of a pass as as an athlete there as you're preparing uh we've been dealing with this not just as a Western, you know, in America or a Western society, but globally for well over a year. There is time to prepare. There is preparation that, that has to be made at hand to get yourself ready for this thing. And as, and as I do talk about how epic of an opportunity this is to go to the Olympics and, and, you're, and you're thriving off of, I'm finally going to maybe have that platform, that stage. You know, for a lot of these, you were prepared. You have come up without large crowds like this. So, I mean, there has to be some sort, and it is, you can't, it is what it is. You have to, you have to work with what the cards you're dealt. And that cannot be an excuse. It feels like I'm watching practice. That's what it feels like. Like it just, it it feels so empty. Like the soul has been sucked out of the Olympics. It's weird. Super I don't. I mean, that's kind of across the board on a lot of things. But as as the athlete, as the competitor, you have to be prepared for that. And then going back to where we're talking about the other side of that for the production value, as we're talking about declining, there's declining ratings, and and that is part of it because you're talking about that. You want to make you you need to invoke that emotion through the airwaves at home to keep people excited. And they are completely they have not they are they have completely dropped the ball in that aspect. What do you what do you think about the cock? I mean peacock network people. P 
Peacock. Jeez, get your minds out of the gutters. If you haven't been listening to Hami Media Group wrestling talk, uh, that's what we mean when we reference the cock. What do you think of the cock? What do you think of the presentation on the cock? Because I know you've been watching the cock a lot. I've I've been all over the cock uh, since the Olympics began. But uh, you know what? In comparison to... I'm going to say they're doing slightly better than what I what we've seen with the with WWE. <laughs> slightly, yeah. Uh, but again, I guess overall, because I've heard some people now that are you know they continue. I uh, South Park over in uh, MSG South Park group going through some threads the other day, and they're talking about HBO Max. Even people are you know talking about Netflix right now. I mean, it's how are we to this point still where they cannot get these streaming services cracked? <laughs> well, and the, the thing that really like irritates me to no end is the best streaming service of all the streaming services that I have ever subscribed to was WWE Network. Like the functionality of WWE Network was amazing. And Peacock is just, I I watched Money in the Bank 2011 the other day, which is one of my favorite shows ever. John Cena versus CM Punk in the main event in Chicago. Punk wins the title, leaves with the title. The atmosphere is just incredible. The atmosphere is better than the match itself. The the atmosphere alone makes it a five-star match. I had to go find like season two of Money in the Bank to watch this on Peacock because of how poorly organized, like everything is by seasons. Like when you look up WrestleMania, it doesn't give you the option to like WrestleMania one, WrestleMania two, WrestleMania three. It gives you WrestleMania season one, WrestleMania season two. And it's just like, well, well and, and I guess, you know, with, I guess that's it. And here's what, okay. I, maybe I understand the difficulties with inside the pro wrestling world because Whatever reason, you had the infrastructure in place. They just didn't simply use the templates that WWE had set right? to go. Now you've got a bunch of television people trying to, you know, trying oh. to figure out the mindset and the the workings of professional wrestling. Yeah, I mean, like you go to and, watch and how many Raw. times is, and how many times has history showed us that that fails terribly yeah you, you go if to watch from, like an episode of monday night raw you and you're looking for you know like a certain year you've got to go through this mess of menus to find you know season 19 episode 12 and it's just like oh my god i just and, and let me search by date right and, and when you're looking you know when you're going 52 weeks a year for how many right you know, over what two decades here and, and those seasons begin to run i mean because and if you go back, you always heard them say, it's our season debut. So right. they were tracking them. They, they knew they were tracking them for, because when they eventually were going to dump these, well, they always had to track it that way as they're relaying their numbers and contract talks with, with the networks here. But again, you know, it's an example of, they don't know what they're doing with professional wrestling, but especially now, cause they're adding all the old stuff on there. So it's like, you know, go watch mid South season four, episode 19. Now, now, from, you know, as we're talking about know. that here, we, look, we talk about NBC universal when it comes to sports presentation, where do you put NBC? Now at one time, I mean, they were the absolute Kings, you know, the rulers of the rooster ahead of everything. Boy, that's interesting. I mean, because I mean, look, I mean, you've got NBC because at this with, point, even with even with their specialty channels, when you go to NBC Sports, they I think they are so they're a they're distance in that race between what Fox is doing 
in what you got, really what Disney's doing with ABC and ESPN networks. Yeah, but I, I feel like Sunday Night Football has kind of taken over Monday Night Football as that must-watch game of the week. Like, I love their NFL presentation. I feel like their big, the biggest problem at NBC Sports is they just they don't have shit. You know what I mean? Like, they've got the Olympics, which they typically do a very, very nice job with. They get Sunday Night Football. What else do they got on NBC? Well, they had they lost, fighting they lost Irish the NH- football. They just lost the NHL. Yeah, I, and I loved uh, their I NHL think, presentation. I guess I'll give them some credit there because NHL is so hard to cover for television. Uh, I mean, it's just one of those games that's meant to be viewed live. It's just the, yeah. the way it moves in, in and out. Uh, the, the complexities of the game are just so hard to convoy to, to television viewing. But uh, so I mean, what? I mean, how the hell did they drop the ball here? Because as you said, I mean, the money that has been spent. Uh, I mean, what they spent on wrestling is just a, a, a drop in the bucket right. to what's what's going in here to the Olympics. And and you, like you said, uh, we have got record low ratings. They're not making that connect. Did they think people were just? And this would this would had this would be so asinine. And you just think, oh, it's because it's the Olympics. It's back. People are going to flock to this thing. What would have been the indicator when every other number is seeming to fail? Right. And how much are they going to take on the chin? You said Toyota. Think of one of the major sponsors, biggest sponsors around the globe. They've already checked out on this thing. Well, and I mean, if you've got sponsors pulling out because the ratings are just so bad, because I'm guessing there's like a fail safe clause where if they don't hit a certain number, sponsors can pull out. Right. You're, so you're losing a ton of revenue that well, way. There, there's probably a buyout into that, too. So Toyota right. said, hey, we're going to eat this thing instead of continuing to move forward. And I, I just can't imagine not only what NBC is losing on this deal, what the country of Japan is losing on this deal versus the well, revenue that they were expecting to bring in and the tourism. They have already just, simply by hope, simply by going forward with these games, this has been a complete, complete wash for Japan. I hope that there is some kind of backdoor deal where they're going to get like two, you know, get another game soon, maybe two games within, you know, the next three or four cycles of this thing. As you said, Jargo, the tourism, the, the the small bit, you know, it's just the small business, but all business that was going to thrive in Japan by, you know, the world just ascending on their country to be a part of these games completely gone. And Japan spent so much money to be able to host these games. I mean, because you're, you're building, you know, new facilities for all this stuff to host all this stuff that's top of the line, cutting edge, the training facilities and everything else. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars of revenue that there is just no way they are going to recoup. I mean, they had 6,500 people inside of the Tokyo Dome, and that was the hottest ticket in town the other day, you know, because there's just nothing going on at the Olympics. Okay, uh, just here, you're talking before pandemic was, you know, when they were originally scheduled to have this thing in 2020 before the shutdown here, uh, $12.6 billion dollars. And with the pandemic, with that when that hit, the number grew by twenty two percent to fifteen point four billion. Good lord, good lord! And now you got sponsors pulling out because nobody's watching this, and there's, and it's Japan. I mean, so the whole vaccination rate in Japan was like two freaking percent. 
before. And, 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 you know, and through the presentation here, that's one of the other things that they're, they're transitioning from game to game as if they're trying to rush through these things. I don't feel like we are getting those special interest stories. That's what I would, that's what I would pay attention for. And that's by hook. It's just like, you know, the same problems inside of professional wrestling. They're so worried about the the floor routines, the movesets, and not that dive. You're not giving me the persona. You're not giving me a storyline. You're not, you're not emotionally attaching me to what the hell's happening in front of me. You know, if it's whatever, uh, kayaking, Tell me this grand story, you know, get me hooked some way inside of this thing and use the sports you know are going to pull. People are watching gymnastics. People are watching the pool. So inside of those, begin to tell me stories. Continuality throughout your events. Keep me going here. It's what they missed. So with all that said, let's talk about Simone Biles. Simone Biles has has withdrawn from the the team competition. Now she has re- withdrawn from the all around competition as of this recording, um, for her mental health. And Rick, I love Simone Biles. I, I she is unquestionably the greatest gymnast that we have ever seen. Um, this sucks in so many different ways because I, I don't know, man. Uh, Ricochet and AJ Styles might have something. <laughs> <to say. laughs> the, the thing is, I, I feel like in a weird way, they're kind of setting up one of these stories, right? Like, I almost feel like this is a work. I, you know, what is prepping for the show here? And I went back and I wanted to look at. To kind of step away from just how this is being perceived on social media, but go to some of the the media outlets here, and I and it was just before we really you know say hey let's do the roundup head towards the head towards the studio. I started thinking to myself, is there some kind of is this part of an agenda? Is as you said, is this a work? You know, and and. Maybe it's just because we come from the world of professional wrestling. And if I've learned anything inside of the world of professional wrestling is that everything is a work, but ratings are in the freaking toilet. She withdraws from the team competition. We still take the silver medal. We, I mean, we should talk about why the, the committee from Russia was even allowed to compete. That's just beyond me. But so we end up taking the silver anyway. Now she's withdrawn from the all-around competition. But I feel like there's this grand redemption story that everybody is going to have to tune in to see when it comes to X competition and Simone Biles is going for the gold medal. And then they can recap kind of this entire two-week adventure and what's been going on in Simone Biles' head. And we can interview coaches and we can talk about, you know, the the, the dirty pervert doctor and all this other shit. Like, I feel like we're, we're building a story here just because we really need people to tune into the Olympics. There are billions of dollars on the line here. So this is kind of like uh, Mick Foley goes off of the top of the cage, goes through the cage, is stretchered <laughs> out, and then comes. Oh right. my God, he's back! Right, he's back in the arena. He's climbing the hell in the cell again. 
I, I don't know what it is. And, you know, it's, I, and I have heard, as I said, I was jumping around from, you know, going from all different angles from the left to the right and in between looking at how these major media platforms, the manipulative media, how they're handling this. I start thinking, is there, what, what is the agenda here? What is the work? What are they trying to put over? And there was, you know, one message, glaring message that went across all of that. What is next? What is next for Simone Miles? So right? setting that up. That's, you know, that's, they're chumming the waters before they set that hook on you here. Now, let's see what, hey, maybe, maybe this is the saving grace for the cock. Uh, we, we've got the, we've got the lifetime story coming. We, we've got the, uh, the, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, this building, is a made for TV movie. Re, rebuilding Biles, you know, the, the exclusive series on the cock. Biles what, what builds be back better. Rebuilding, or you know, whatever that case might be, but and I do, you know, but even for uh, this BS, because I mean, you you already had, which is kind of being overshadowed now with her withdrawing. Is did you see where they refused to give her points when when she hit a certain uh, compet like when the competition couldn't exceed her levels. Of you know her skill level that she could not advance her trip up past a, a point spot, which is absolutely absurd to me. And that, and I think that speaks more to the overall statements that are being made here about our lollipop soccer participation trophies for everybody running with the back of the herd. The the thing that really really sucks about the Simone Biles thing that this has been going on for years. Man, I, I at these national competitions and stuff because, of course, I have three daughters and I have a wife who very much enjoys watching gymnastics. So we watch Simone Biles all the time. We don't just watch her every four years like the rest of you do. We've been watching her at national competitions and whatnot because we have great respect for Simone Biles inside of this household. I worry about how this presents to the kids. Right. Because Simone Biles is on like this pedestal. Right. And it's not just Simone Biles. Right. Because we've seen this with Kyrie Irving. We've seen this with Naomi Osaka. The athletes of this generation are just built differently, man. And we got to quit putting them on these pedestals because something like this happens. And I, I, I hate the, the visual of this to people that are legitimate fans of Simone Biles, especially the younger kids. Because there's a lot of, like, Quinn loves Simone Biles. It's, it, this story doesn't end with Simone Biles quitting. Like, there's, there's no way... That's how this thing is going to end. But this is so much bigger than Simone Biles. This is about athletes of this generation. I, I, I don't even think, you know, I don't even, let's go beyond athletes. I mean, this is about a generation. As you said there, and I'm glad, you know, as we talk about this thing, I guess it's really easy from people from our generation and those older than us to say, you know, suck it up, buttercup. Things are tough out there. Things are hard. you got to push through that. You know, to me, one of the first things I said out there, I in no way believe that Simone should be chastised for for withdrawing. 
what is happening in her life, what's going on around her right now, no matter the circumstance, Olympics or not. Well, because, I mean, number now, one, just, just on that part for a second, if her head's not in it, she could seriously fucking injure herself doing the shit that she is out there doing. Oh, I understand. Like, that. I have Ooh, no like, problem. If she's having fucking issues and she needs to withdraw, cool. I, I get that as well. But the, now, but the narrative. At, like, this is the bravest move at any yes. one. No, I, I don't. I why why I 100% firm believe that she should not be chastised in any way uh, in, in that same breath I don't think that this should be celebrated at all as you said Jargo this is a generational issue and, and you've got this from you know Simone's 24 years old I'm going to say you know probably for those in their early to mid 30s experience this kind of thing she has it and it goes down to the people you said Quinn my nephews Levi. No one's going to go through this thing, and it is a very harsh truth for a lot of people our age and older to understand this that they are growing up and have grown up in a much different world. So, as you always heard about this tween stress issues, it's very, very real. That's why you have more of this sort of this these violent lashings out within the school systems and things like that. That's why they're having problem with authority. So why we shouldn't chance dies, why we shouldn't celebrate this, this on this stage here with a persona like hers, what she's been able to accomplish, this needs to open up so many avenues for real and honest conversation. My biggest worry is here is we're talking about angles and we're kind of having fun with it here. What's the work? We're talking about these networks. You know there are sharks absolutely waiting to sink their teeth into this poor girl. And I hope it just ultimately does not destroy her, you know, harm her anymore and ultimately destroy her. She quite arguably could be the GOAT. She could quite possibly be the very best amateur athlete that we have ever sent to the Olympics. She is just freaking incredible. Who the fuck is calling me right now? I don't. You know what? Let's get off this amateur thing here. Well, well, no, I I do want to stay with the Olympics because I want your thought on USA basketball going out and laying a freaking egg against France. I cannot go through my Twitter feed without seeing Simone on an Oreos ad every like ten post. Oh yeah, dude! It's big news. It is literally the biggest news in the world right now. But she's everywhere here. And and there and there are other ones here that are cleaning up with these sponsorship deals. And and yeah, you know, there's gonna be other opportunities here for, but again, ultimately, I hope this opens avenues for real conversation. And it allows people that 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 come from our era, from our age groups and older, to begin to understand what these kids are going through. But again, not to celebrate this thing. We need to help people. You just don't I, I, last week. I was getting on Levi about this because every time that his video game would get difficult and I don't want to compare a video game to what she's going to in real life, but, but I would get on about this because he was like, Oh, I just hit reset. I just clean it and start over. And, and I'm sitting there trying to explain to him, dude, that's not the way things work. You know, I kind of along those lines, this just bugs the shit out of me. Did you ever play Zelda? Like, were you a Zelda kid? Yeah, who the hell didn't play Zelda? I, I, mean, I wasn't like over the top nut about it, but the hell okay. yeah, I played okay. all the Zeldas. So I, I, I have an NES classic, right? And I can play Zelda on it. The original Zelda. How in the hell 
did we ever figure all that shit out? Where you got to go to like, you know, the sixth bush from the bottom on the, uh, you got to go up, up, left twice, and then down, get on that screen, burn the fifth bush on the left, and then you can go down the secret stairway. Like, how in the hell did we ever figure this shit out? Because you just kept going at it, trial and error. I mean, and, and someone would get a whole, I mean, because yeah, hey. Remember how amazing it was? Like, where the hell have you been my entire life when Power Magazine came out? Right? Power came, <laughs> like, some of the cheats in there or what you were missing. It's like, I feel ridiculous because I'm I'm looking up, like, you know, walkthroughs on Google to figure out how in the hell to do stuff on a video game that I haven't played in, you know, 35 years. And it's just like, my God, how did we ever figure this shit out? It's insane. All the little Easter eggs and shit that are inside of those games. I would love, I'd love that. That'd be a great topic. I'd love for, uh, for Red, Red Rob with Retro TV to go and talk about, you know, those difficulties of games. Cause I, now while admittedly I'm not like a, a huge gamer today, I just, they're, they're too real for me. I, I want, I want my video games to be classic. I, I want, you know, 8 bit, 16 bit, or give me death when it comes to the video games. But to me, those games were a hell of a lot more difficult than what you're playing today. Oh, they're so hard. I just I, I don't understand how we played those games when we were kids. They're just so hard. Just simply for the puzzle pieces that would go into the thing. Crazy, crazy. Well, I guess we should talk about the COVIDs. Oh, I'll think about it. Uh, I, I did. I I have been playing a game. I've been playing it on on my on my laptop. Uh, I found out that there's a mod for Double Dragon where you can play as any of the WWF characters from the WrestleFest arcade. Oh, that's awesome. So you can go, you can be like, That's Ted awesome. you can be Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant, Hogan and Warrior, Big Boss, you can be Demolition. <laughs> That's playing awesome. That, dude. That's awesome. Uh, I, I, I've been reading uh, The Death of the Territories. As you talk about all those characters, hearing how all those characters came into Vince's uh, conglomeration is, is a Universe. rather interesting story. Interesting stories. Uh, we should probably talk about the COVIDs. Um, because the, the, the COVIDs are out of control again. We, we got to lock everything down again. Um, Rick, this shit is just completely beyond control. Um, I, I know it, inside of Columbus, you guys are dealing with a lot of the same things that we're dealing with here in Cedar Rapids. Uh, but here, here's the problem that I have. Okay. Uh, well, I guess there's actually two different problems. We discussed last year with the kids going back to school the difference between remote learning and virtual learning and that they are not the same thing. And we get, we became quite educated on that. So if you're new listening to the show and you'd like to hear those conversations, just go back in the catalog a little ways and you, you, you'll find all those conversations. But Rick, we're not doing remote learning anymore. Now everything is moving to virtual learning. So we have this kind of interesting situation. Um, and I don't know if I have told you about this and I probably don't want to talk too much about it on air. Um, a couple of years ago, Carly's mom was diagnosed with cancer. We finally got past it. And now it turns out that we have a recurrence going on. So with that in mind and everything that is going on with these schools, do we really want to send the kids back to school? We, we were very, very much thinking about doing the remote learning thing again, at least with Quinn. 
But now that's not even an option. Everything is going to this virtual learning environment and virtual learning is the one where you don't have a teacher. You're not inside of a classroom. You're not on a certain time schedule. It's everything that got Sydney in trouble last year during her senior year, which is why she's still finishing her senior year. I don't know, man. This entire situation with the kids going back to school, I'm quite sure is going to be a, a very, very high topic that you are going to hear discussed over the course of the next month, including here on this show. Um, but being in our situation with a family member who is going to be going through chemo, and then you have the compromised immune system, do you really want to send the kids back to school? It's just the whole thing is a mess, dude. What I, th- I think what's most important here, hey, you talk about your situation there, obviously, because you're worried about the exposure. Uh, from my end of the microphone over here, you know, it's it's one of the main reasons we talk about personal reasons why you and I got vaccinated. One of them was for me is so that I could see my stepmom. Right. Uh, who is waiting for a call from Cleveland Clinic to receive some lungs. You know, at that point, it, it, with, you know, with the boys, though, she'll be medically she'll be away from all of us i mean they, they won't even allow her. i mean she has to be quarantined even without everything going on she would be right. quarantined in, in the hospital for so many days and then they'll return home to their house uh up on the lake where it will be an in-home nurse uh one caregiver my dad and and my stepmom and that'll be for like another 90 days so i mean we're talking Ugh. you know four to six months before you know before she'll be able to adjust and be able to we'll be able to see her but yeah, you run that risk, you know, even at that point, I mean, those lungs are going to have to be completely 100% adapted in before the kids can go around here because they anyway, love right. them, but man, they're walking germ centers. <laughs> they've always, they've always got a sniffly runny nose. There's, you know, there's always something going on, but that, that's, that's kids there. And it's going to be even worse this year because after everybody's been locked up for a year and a half, all of our immune systems are shit. Well, and I, th- I think this goes back here. You're talking about region by region, state by state, whatever that case might be. What we've been preaching, you're talking about going to the catalog. You go click on any random one, you're going to hear us talk about this. And it is, there are no blanket answers. So we stop. We need to stop looking for them. What we need here, and, and again, if it's what it, whatever side of the fence you're on, we have been pushed to such extremes here in this damn country that there is, there seems to be such a resistance to give to a middle ground to understand what works for you does not work for the masses. And that goes for everyone, for your pro-vaxxers, your anti-vaxxers, for your pro-mask, your anti-mask, whatever the guy case might be. If it works for you, it might not work for me and it's not going to work for everybody else. So we got to get the hell off of this damn thing. That's where we're starting this damn divide. So for a school, give multiple options like that. Yeah, you know, I've seen here uh, Kentucky's laid out some of their plans uh, for their public schools where they're not necessarily going to be enforcing masks inside the schools and they're going to have them on bus t- transportation. But as you're saying, they need to continue to provide the virtual learning online different platforms for someone that wants to continue on that for whatever reason doesn't feel comfortable returning to their schools. Now, inside of that, though, I, it just, again, cannot continue to be a case for skipping school, 
for not, you know, continuing to push your education forward. I've talked to countless teachers that when they sign on to these classrooms or whatever, you're getting small percentages of, let alone login, but even smaller participation. I, I just don't get it. I, I just don't get what is going on with these schools. Now the CDC is issuing guidance that, you know, kids should be masked when they're in school. Everybody should be masked, vaccinated or not, blah, blah, blah. Here's the other issue. I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. So Justice's dad got his vaccine. And now he wants justice to get hers. So we're getting into this whole kids being vaccinated bullshit. Rick, this, I I don't understand this push to vaccinate these kids. I, it, it is when you look at all indications everywhere in every study, the kids are the least affected by this thing. It seems that there's more reaction to the vaccines inside of kids than there is if they even catch COVID. This whole vaccinating the kids thing, I, I got real issues with that, especially when it's not even approved through the FDA. Yeah, that's one thing that to, to have this you know, pushed on to adults making their choice for this thing. But I agree with you here. Uh, we got to leave the kids out of these equations, at least until the FDA finally approves this damn thing. And, it, I and, now, it was... and now again, you know, where, where are these shots going to end? I mean, we're going to be re injecting them here within a year, you know, ourselves. Well, and, and the thing that I thought was interesting was Joe Biden made a comment the other day at his wonderful town hall in Cincinnati. Oh Yeah. Um, But he made a comment the other day, and he was actually 100% correct, that, you know, these vaccines have been in production for decades. Like, this was not fast technology. These viruses viruses and, and the vaccines, you know, you don't just whip them up like that. These have been in production for years, right? But... What he fails to leave out is there's never once been an mRNA vaccine that has been approved through the FDA. So while everybody is sitting here waiting for FDA approval for these vaccines, the real question should be, if they have been working on these things for 20 years, how come they've never gotten an FDA approval? And the, you and I know the reason. We know the reason is because they've never made it past the animal testing stage because they end up killing all the ferrets and they end up killing all the mink and then they've got to cull all the mink and then the mink, they don't get buried deep enough and they boil back up, back up to the surface. The freaking zombie mink. Yeah, we, we, we've talked all about the zombie mink. I was going to say just what you thought they were dead. <laughs> yep, back. nope. The zombie mink, they just keep making the comebacks, but they've never made it past the animal testing stage because of breakout cases. And that, to me, is the most concerning thing that I'm seeing going on with COVID is there seems to be an awful lot of breakout cases, people that have already been vaccinated, and yet they're still coming down with COVID. Jeff Hardy. There you go. 
You know what's funny about that? I told Jeff Hardy, and, and, and I heard about these different strains, and you've heard about now uh, in more of your liberal-based cities about you know concern over do we got to go not just mass, but re- returning to business regulations, potential shutdowns. It's been weeks since I've really heard about anything about cases of COVID. And then just, you know, in the last seven days, you know, I've, I've heard this, this spike again in numbers uh, that we're going to see. Hey, how about this? A little, uh, little headline here. Walmart to cover college tuition. There we go. Evil Walmart. Yeah. I don't know the whole story. That's just the headline. They're bastards. They're bastards. But yeah, I think that's the real concern here. I think that is why they are pushing for these mandates all of a sudden is because they want to stop these damn breakout cases because the humans are ending up just like the goddamn ferrets and the goddamn mink where everything is fine and dandy. The, what happens with the mRNA vaccine is they, they would inject it into the animals and it would do fantastic against whatever the disease was until they would encounter something else in the wild Delta variant. And then they get it way worse. That has always been the issue with the mRNA vaccines. That is why they have never received FDA approval. And now we're seeing breakout cases globally. And now all of a sudden there's the push for the lockdowns again. Now all of a sudden there's a push for the mask again. Now it's it's, it's getting quite urgent. We have to do this. We have to do this now. I think this is what they're afraid of. I think we just finally hit, you know, where, you know, the the mink and the ferrets would start encountering the Delta variant. That's terrifying. Well, and and, and now and here we go. What is the cover up going to be? Are people are going to realize what had happened here? Have, Have you noticed Have you had any issues since you've had your your shot? I, I was sicker than a freaking dog over the course of the last couple of days. I mean, I'm feeling all right now, but. I actually think uh, I had a bit of a flare up here, but for a while it seemed to it help calm. You know, with, I had with my immune system with my psoriasis. Right. It actually was helping out a little bit. Uh, but yeah, actually outside of that first shot that put me down, which I said to the first or second one. But again, you know, it's. But again, it's hit. also you had an mRNA vaccine. I took the J&J. I took the more traditional vaccine. And it seems that there's actually studies showing that the J&J vaccine is better against the Delta variant than any of the mRNA vaccines. So that and that's why they're already talking about a booster for Pfizer and Moderna, because they, they've got to get that programming right for the new Delta variant. You got you got to get your windows upgrade. There you go. Well, here's another headline for you. Seattle mayor begs for more cops is crime surges. <laughs> Yeah, who would have guessed, right? Who would have guessed? Oh, they, they're all they're all going after each other here now. Then you get that clown AOC back in the headlines. Oh, always got to have AOC in the headlines. Got to, got to. Yeah, I I, I did see something interesting when it comes to this whole voter ID that that's kind of sticking in my brain as I'm sitting here on Facebook while we're sitting here talking. You have to have an ID to get a fishing license, but not to vote. Yeah. Well, as you say, and as you say, ID and what we're talking about here is uh, voting for 
I guess it comes into if you're a legal citizen and it ties into the COVID. Uh, you see the headlines where they're they're having issues now because they cannot control or enforce any regulations for illegals that have actually are bringing COVID in and continuing that spread. You know, our friend Eric Lake brought up a, a very very interesting point. Why aren't the borders closed like entirely at this point? With the whole Delta variant, like if we're, if we're talking about locking down states, we're talking about everybody's got to mask up again and all this bullshit. Why is the border still open? Like, wouldn't that be the first thing you would do? Shut down the freaking border? Stop any of this other crap from coming in? I ain't just and, talking and, about the southern border. I'm talking about all the borders. Yeah, every side of it. Uh, well, hell, you know, right now, we essentially, we do have the northern border shut down. Uh, did, did I tell you that one? I, I know I, ta- I, I probably talked about it on the Monday locker room. I talked about it wherever I was doing a spot with some other the other pods. I'm not sure if I shared the story with you yet, where we had, you know, down at the track, we bring in the special attraction sort of cars. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. You did tell me about that. Okay, so we brought in a, a jet truck. I don't think I told the story on, on hitting the mark. So, so we brought in a, a jet truck. And what it is, it's it's a supersized jet engine attached to this truck. Dude, I mean, it shoots like a flame, like, Half a mile. I mean, the the the, the thunder is incredible. It's a great attraction. You know, people want to come see the see this thing. Well, this guy makes he makes a good living. Now, you know, the maintenance and all. I'm not exactly sure what that entails, but hell, I mean, just to come make a couple passes, you're talking a couple thousand dollars. And he's going night after night to different tracks, traveling around and all that. But he makes a good deal of his money stateside. Well, he happens to live in Canada. He has been stuck down here for months because he cannot return home. Not that he can't get back into Canada because he is a citizen there, but because we don't recognize their COVID regulations and the shots that they have approved, he cannot get back into the United States. So to maintain his moneymaker, he has to stay here. So he's kind of just I, not freeloading in any way, but you know, he's been kind of just kind of hanging out at the different tracks <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. Let's talk about A-Rod. A-Rod. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers back in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Did you see the press conference that he gave today? I didn't catch a press conference yet. Buried the Packers. Just freaking buried them. He went up there and he laid everything out. He's throwing out names and what the real issues were going on inside of green Bay, as far as he is concerned, uh, dude, like this relationship is just, it's so bad. I just read yesterday that they thought that they could come to terms on one more year at least. Uh, so is that complete? And and I do want to throw out there because I I did see, because I didn't see hear the actual press conference, but I'd seen people commenting on this. Like how could a teammate ever have him back? You got to understand there is a, a very big difference between the franchise and the boys in the locker room and that player station all would be forgiven inside that locker room. This is, this is between the administration, the actual franchise itself and an all-star player. I, this very much came across as an all-star player who wanted to yell at the owners, but there's no owners in green Bay. So he just went after the front office like hard about all the guys that have been released, contracts that weren't re-signed, and 
it's kind of crazy, man. The, the the whole situation is kind of crazy. I don't know what to make out of that football team going into this year. I mean, like you want to talk about the biggest distraction in the world. I the the whole situation in Green Bay is just a shit show at this point. What what should have happened already here is you you hate to see these terrible breakups inside sports. And people naturally will lean towards the side of the organization just because we know the money that the player's making. We, we, we see the player. You, you can kind of put their, their, you know, put their balls in the fire and you, you know, how ungrateful you are where people have this grand illusion that they should just be so grateful for these opportunities. I mean, this is a career. This is their jobs. So what the organization should have done weeks ago because they know they were moving off of Aaron Rodgers. When they made that damn draft pick, they know they were heading in this di- direction. What they didn't understand or what they didn't know is that they were still going to get top-of-the-league caliber play, MVP play out of Aaron Rodgers. Right. So now they're trying to pivot when this whole thing was on a, a clock. It was a countdown till explosion. They should have just moved off of him. I feel- Instead of trying to twist it into some kind of manipulative way where, where they are putting themselves into the white cowboy hat. They, they should have just cut ties. That was their plan years ago. I feel like the the problem here is Aaron Rodgers is right about everything that he is saying. And that is the way that Packer fans have felt for a very long time. We Packers don't get free agents. We we draft very well and then players end up moving on and getting the hell out of Green Bay. They don't use Aaron Rodgers to the extent that they should. They always keep looking for a running game and letting his wide receivers go. Like and he's running down all these problems and it feels like this is a meeting that Aaron Rodgers wanted to have with the owner. The problem is the owner in Green Bay is the people of Green Bay. They don't have an owner. And I feel like Rodgers is trying to let all of the fans and let the people inside of the front office know like the, that front office is rotten. All the way from the president on down through the general manager, the problem is there's nobody to make those calls. Well, what, he, what he's essentially doing here is Rodgers is trying to let the stockholder know that there's something rotten in Denmark. That, like the, the players know being, it. The fans know it. Like everybody knows it. And I think that's the issue. Like, it, So, so if, with, with the team being owned by the city, by the fans there, I mean, how does this work? Do they have a board of trustees that hire the president of, right. of the franchise? Yeah, and, and I think that's who he is trying to reach. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like because watching that press conference, like it felt like you walk into Jerry Jones office and you sit down with Jerry and you're like, listen, this is my problem with the franchise right now. Like you guys never listen to me. You're never taking my interest into it. Like I want to go out there. I want to be a recruiter. I'm Aaron freaking Rogers. I can get people to come and play here, but you have to allow me to do that kind of stuff. And there's no owner. There's no Jerry Jones for him to go and say this to. So Rogers just kind of aired all of his dirty laundry inside of this press conference today. 
but it it very much kind of feels like well i guess we could talk about the the, the cleveland guardians too but it kind of feels like major league where it's like the fans and the players against the franchise is kind of where we're at with this entire Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. Yeah, I say it's a perfect example. I mean, that's really what it feels like at this point. Like that press conference today just completely changed my mind about the entire situation. Like I've, I've, I've always felt like Rogers was just kind of being a bitch and trying to weasel his way out of green Bay because he's Aaron freaking Rogers and he wants to play in a major market. He wants the endorsement deals, you know, and all this other stuff. Well, I mean, everybody, I mean, again, it's a business. I mean, why yeah, absolutely. But to listen to him at that press conference today, it's everything that every Packer fan has been saying for the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. And Rogers it, have a little mental breakdown of his own. But it was it almost felt like we know. We are with you guys. It's the organization that is rotten on the inside. That's very much how it felt. It's kind of crazy. Face turn loading for Aaron Rodgers. Anything else you wanted to talk about this week, man? I, I just I'm I'm uh, so I'm let's see here. It, let's see here it, it, in sport. We're kind of talking about. We did kind of. I think we just kind of bypassed the uh, basketball. Did we didn't really dive into that? We we got caught on something else there. Uh, they were able to what? What did they win by? Like sixty did points. I, I stayed up. Man. I was gonna I was gonna watch a little bit of it. It was on the cock. It was on the cock, man. Uh, I was already in bed. I did not get up at that point. I just said the hell with it. If if USA basketball can't find out of the the six broadcast channels to get aired at 12:40 a.m. eastern they're not worth my time to to pay attention to it, it, there's so many different reports here you know if you say, you know that the players are upset with the system they have to run in they want to talk about everything else but the game absolutely uh, they, they got what they're coming to them and i think this is going to be a further slap in the face to the nba they're just going to continue to to go downhill on this thing. Uh, what was the other big uh, big news story? Maybe we touch on before we before we get the hell out of here. The 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 final nails being driven in to the coffin of college football. You know. Yeah. Well, we we kind of saw that one coming, didn't we? Uh, oh, how's it going to ruin anything? It's going to be better. They're going to get paid, and it's going to be more. You know, you're going to keep the talents. No. Uh, see you later, mid-major. See, see you later, the system, the way you know it. See you later, Big 12. Like, I don't think oh, that I don't think that was part of the plan. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think the mid-majors, you know, like, yeah, that was part of the plan. Like, Cincinnati joining the Big 10. Like, that's part of the plan, right? They weren't figuring on schools like Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC, who was it figure? I mean, how the hell could not anyone see that was happening? Haven't we been, we've been talking since we started HDM Sports, going back to when it was part of the wrestling show, that you were looking at a future where you have essentially the same setup as the NFL. You'll have two super conferences almost representing an AFC-NFC. They're going to overly expand and expose their postseason, and you are going to absolutely kill off your mid-major programs. You're going to have a completely zero use for these things. You see where, you know, outside we're looking at football, we're talking about the SEC and that dominance. You're the one that mentioned this. 
these these power conferences right now are going to have to make a choice which big sport they want to lean towards. Uh, it looks like within the next years or so that the Big East is going to completely eliminate their football and, and just focus on their basketball side of this thing to hope that they can that they can continue to compete. I'm going to guess here essentially what we've already had happening is the SEC just consuming the Big 12. Uh, to stay competitive here, the ACC and Big 10 are going to have to unite at some point, right? That's the one that I keep hearing is the ACC and Big 10 basically coming together to create one giant super conference along with Notre Dame. And, and Notre Dame's going to be the key piece. But then at that point, look where you're at. You have completely, you when you hit the rock, you go beyond the Rockies, where are you left there? I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the whack, the whack and the pack would have to merge. They have been almost irrelevant, though, for, for how long? The pack, who's supposed yep. to be one of the elite of the elite power conferences. How, what would you make of an ACC-Big Ten partnership? I mean, obviously, in basketball, we see the Big Ten ACC challenge. I mean, would you consider that a football conference, or would you consider that a basketball conference? Well, I think... You know, in this where, where you had mentioned this, you've got to you've got to choose, or you're going to see them choosing. I think with those two big power conferences, you don't have to choose. You're going to be able to have your cake and eat it too. Now, what you could see is, you know, the Big East realizes this. All right, we need to absolutely focus on basketball. Maybe what we can do is go pick off a of Kentucky who will say, we'll leave the SEC. We have no business being in this football. I don't know what their cut is, but look at it financially here. If the Big East could say, hey, Kentucky, come here, we're, and you're going to be the kings of whatever deal we get with these major sponsorships and these major outlets, could you start picking off schools like that from those other, from the power football conferences and, and bring them in? Then the whole West, I don't know what the hell they're going to do out there. I mean, what what schools are of real value? I mean, I see in basketball, uh, if you'd want to get a USC, a UCLA. Oregon. Yeah. Boise. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, they're middle of the pack if you talk about these super conferences for either sport. UNLV, that's a good market. Yeah, you're looking at those markets there. It, Colorado. Uh, well, you know... Football wise, the West, you know, you go you go to that Rocky Mountain region beyond that to the Pacific. Maybe they all unite themselves and just hope that, you know, they can keep their talent from going to the flatlands, to the southeast, you know, through the Midwest to the Northeast and where they can actually compete there. But you're going to see this thing broken up into a much entirely different demographic the way we've got this thing going. It's going to be a mess, man. And we we saw this coming a mile away, a mile away. It's just going to be an absolute mess. ACC and Big Ten, that one does intrigue me because I think what you would see is the individual schools making that decision. And I think like you, you, when you look at the football standings at the end of the year, it would read one way. And then if you read it backwards, that would be the basketball standings at the end of the next year. You know what I mean? I, I think if, if you had those. You'd have schools like Northwestern and Duke that would be basketball schools exclusively. 
and then and their football that are still getting their cut. How are they gonna you know how are they gonna divide these things up? Yeah, it, it'd be very very. That's gonna be the interesting with these super conferences is you know when they bring them in. You know, are, are the schools and programs gonna be negotiating these? Because I mean, obviously, you're gonna want the, the conferences to get the best bang for the buck on this thing. Man, there is so much. What do you think this? When they looked at this thing, this. This Pandora's box, man. I say it, it all began when they they went to that damn playoff system. Yep. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with the old system. People got to remember these are still student athletes. They are amateurs. But everyone was so hungry for that, and there was money to be had in that. So now you had these sharks. Back to the sharks here who have exposed you know, this, this once pure entity now they have injected it with their cancer, with their COVID, uh, and now there's no going back. Here's an interesting question to wrap things up for the week. If you were AEW and you could only sign one, would you sign Punk or Brian? Uh, my bigger question here, and I pose this, I, I'll, I will answer that, but I think the biggest thing here, and actually was kind of formulate, I was going to get a post out there for some conversation uh, about this piece. I mean, you've got AEW really, and there's a lot of reason for the bubble and the bubble to be excited. Maybe the return of Punk, Daniel Bryan uh, in a new territory, all elite wrestling. On the WWE side, Cena's already back. People have been, been talking about it. There is the promise of the return of The Rock through WrestleMania. The biggest issue here, and yes, it's it's okay for wrestling fans to be excited, but are we looking at a bigger picture? What are these companies going to do with these individuals to grow, just not their audience and maintain that, but grow the business? Are they so full of themselves that they simply think by signing these that all of these masses are going to flock back to professional wrestling and their programming? If they are, they are absolutely kidding themselves. They are the biggest marks for themselves. If they think they are that over, what can we do right now as an industry to grow professional wrestling? Because we are, I'm so sick of hearing this. It's a great time and we're in a boom. There was no, the only, the only there, was, there was a boom. It was a bomb that went off and now we're at the bottom of a crater. It's funny because it's true. And how the hell do we get out of this? How can you use the likes of a CM Punk, a Daniel Bryan, a Rock, and John Cena to actually grow and sustain a freaking audience and see people really talking about professional wrestling? And I'm tired of all these different excuses. I mean, we've got to be bold, brave, and new inside of this industry. And I'm tired of, well, it's because it's been exposed. We have no one to blame for that, but, you know, but themselves. That, that just thought, you know, that we're inside that bubble, inside that bubble, thinking they were over. But come on. Wrestling was exposed during its hottest period, the Monday Night Wars in the Attitude Era. Oh, yeah. Good TV is good TV. Bad TV is bad TV. Good entertainment is good entertainment. Bad entertainment is bad entertainment. <sighs> really, to, to answer your question, and, I, and if I say I'm going to use it for growth of a, of a brand of the business, I think he has to be utilized properly, but I think there's more value in CM Punk than Daniel Bryan. I think so too. I'm not sure though. I can get Punk out there 
and we're coming in, if I'm looking for someone that's going to go out there every week and be involved and work my big, you know, big marquees every time out, Daniel Bryan. But I think if I'm going to grow and I'm looking for that special attraction that I can use to cross over, to go out there that has the gift of gab, that, that can connect with a, a certain audience, then I'm going with CM Punk. But when you make that crossover with CM Punk, you have a huge obstacle already to get over in, in what he did in MMA. Hey, I want to give the guy credit that he went and tried a thing. A lot of people aren't going to see it that way. Especially I, when you're... I don't think that the wrestling fan will care. I really don't. I, I, but I don't care about the wrestling fan right now. I need new wrestling fans. I need general audience to start. I need new wrestling fan. Because right now, to me, the biggest thing is, yeah, they're going to see, they're going to, they're going to pop a chubby. They're going to see a rise in their ratings when those guys debut. But with that laps fan, with that small laps fan, are they going to maintain them? Is the rest of the AEW product going to be good enough and relatable enough to that laps fan to hold that audience? I don't think so. I think punk is the better get at least short term. Brian might be more valuable long term, but as far as that initial pop, including the pop in the rating, I think I think Punk draws more eyes than Brian does, just because he hasn't been in a ring in seven years. I don't know. I'm just trying to think so outside of that damn bubble. Right? If we get in the van with Hamin and head over, head over to the mall, and we do our Q rating survey, how many more? How many people are going to know who the hell Daniel Bryan is? That's a good point. A lot less than that know who CM Punk is. Well, I don't know, man, because there is a lot of crossover for Brian through Total Bellas, too. Like, Brian reaches a whole other demographic that people don't necessarily I think it would be interesting. I, I, that's one of those like, little studies I would have loved to you know, mix in, like, the 20 top wrestlers in the world with, like, 100 celebrities from other walks. And just go out and just generally just ask names. You know, go up to just some large gathering. Hey, you'd be entered to win this gift card if uh, if you'd help us out with a, um, a little survey here. Going to say a name? Let me know if you've heard of them and what they do. I think you would even be better inside of that study than if you had people recognize Daniel Bryan. They say pro wrestling or they say reality television. Yeah. Hmm, that's a good point. CM Punk. Pro wrestler or, oh, that guy that got knocked out in MMA constantly. I mean, we, we talk about it with the Bellas all the time. You know what I mean? Like the Bellas are way more over than people think they are because they reached that whole other demographic. And that also helped out John Cena. And I think it would help out Daniel Bryan in your poll too. Interesting. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit us over at the HMG, HamiMediaGroup.Podbean.com or HittingTheMarks.com. Find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Follow as well at DestinoPod, DestinoPod.com. Huckleberry, anything you want to plug before we get out of here today? Uh, hey, man, just uh, excited. I just took the, uh, the phone off. Do not disturb. Blowing up. Uh, it is we are one month away the professional wrestling alliance the swiss wine pro wrestling super show at the swiss wine fest bb indiana thursday august 26 we got our official now na- match announcements going out we got promos that are starting to be released uh, we're on that home stretch man so uh it's full go full go ahead also working with Rev Pro out of Mid Ohio, they've got a show. Actually, we'll be out August 22nd. I'll be helping that show. 
I'm taking their ring right from their show and driving it to Indiana. So it's a quick turnaround. Uh, and then coming in early October, hey man, pro wrestling alliance, this, this booking thing is taking off more than, than I had ever hoped. I, I, in my wildest dreams, I thought maybe two shows this year. Uh, looks like we're going to be running four in 2021. Uh, that's even before we get to 2022. Is uh, early October bringing to the west side of Cincinnati, FTW food trucks and wrestling. So we're going to have a, a, a food truck rally along with, along with a pro wrestling show, and, and they're uh, very honored. One of the uh, the king the kings of the kingdom. He faces on the Mount Rushmore of tri-state since i tri-state wrestling roger ruffin hey refereed uh he refereed brett hart and piper at wrestlemania 8 he was a referee there uh he runs the northern wrestling federation here and we're going to be partnering up with him to uh bring you food trucks and wrestling so all sorts of good stuff and tomorrow me and you're going to be back in the studio here joined by our good friend paz who is i think this can be a good one hey great great debate out there amongst the listeners for last week who is the, the greatest promo of all time? I think this one's going to be good, too. Uh, who is the greatest female wrestler? Are we doing wrestler or performer? I'm not sure. We're, we're, we're going to have to find out. Either way, my answer remains the same. See, to me, to me that, that greatly, there's a big difference there. To me, my answer remains the same. Because, there, you know, there was a time where you had to use women in so many different roles. It's true. It's true. It should be a good show. Those shows are so much fun. I love it. I already get the te- I already get the teaser out there. If anyone catches this before that one, man, uh, I'm going to be making some strong arguments for Sherry Martel. Ooh, I like it. I like it. I'll be uh, going to Japan, I'm sure, because there's Monami Toyota, and then there's everybody else. Very nice. Should be. Uh, it's going to be a good show. one then. We'll Who talk is? to you tomorrow. Over at the two-man power trip, we'll talk to you next week right back here, hittingthemarks.com. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. You bad guy!
Violate! 